This episode of Home Mad Advantage is sponsored by WrestlersOrWarrior.com. If you're looking for a visual accompaniment to our podcast, be sure to check out the awesome photos at WrestlersOrWarriors.com. Tony Rotundo is an amazing friend of ours, and his photos are great. Go see for yourself at WrestlersOrWarriors.com. That's WrestlersOrWarriors.com. episode of Home Mad Advantage. I am Sam Herring, joined today by the greatest mind in wrestling, Willie Saylor. How's it going, Willie? It's going good, buddy. It's a lot of wrestling action lately. And, uh, you know, as much as, as much action as there is on the mat, I'm also a big fan of stuff that happens off the mat. This is like prime Commitment season and prime, you know, yeah. both on the, on the mat and on the mat. There's people committing to schools. There's there's who's number one. There's Super Thirty Two, and I don't know. As good as as good as Super Thirty Two is, there's also Super Thirty Two Middle School, and I'm just I just keep getting more and more in love with the sport. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a big time for high school wrestling, especially right now with all the commits and then like who's number one, super thirty two. I mean, it's it's uh, dialed into high school wrestling right now, so uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so let's talk about you a little bit, uh, real quick. Just ask how you got started in wrestling, how you got introduced to the sport. Obviously, you lived in Easton, grew up in Easton, so. Uh, not too hard to get introduced introduced to wrestling, but want to hear how. Yeah, um, I I haven't even told many people about this. I mean, like you might be the first person I ever told about this on like on the record. But uh, I don't know. I came home from kindergarten one day and I said, "Dad, I want to wrestle." Dad, I want to wrestle. And he was like. That's great. We're going to have to probably wait a couple years. I'm very excited that you want to wrestle, but there's no wrestling until you get a little older. And I said, no. I said, no. They they passed out a they passed out a piece of paper today and said, who wants to sign up for wrestling? And, you know, frankly, I was five years old, and I didn't even know what all went into wrestling, but it sounded cool, and I wanted to do it. And uh, my dad was a pretty decent wrestler, and um, and he was just excited that I wanted to do it. But at the time, like my dad graduated, I'm gonna date myself a little bit, and I'm gonna date my I'm gonna date my old man. But um, he graduated in 1972, and in 1972, you know, they didn't have much less than a than a junior high program. Like there was no youth wrestling. And so he thought I was a little crazy when I told him that I wanted to wrestle. And uh, he gave him a piece of paper and he followed up with it and I started wrestling when I when I was five years old. Uh, I guess it really doesn't matter if I was good or bad or uh, otherwise. I was just passionate about it from Jump Street, and uh, and um, I just I just loved it. I loved the sport with all my heart, and and uh, I've had an affair with it. I guess you'd say. Sometimes I loved it. Sometimes I hated it. And after a while, when I after I hated it for a while, I came back, and ever since I've tried to do anything I can to uh, elevate the profile of wrestling. So you you loved it immediately, right out of the get go. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I mean, um, so I, I was in a small program called Wilson, and the program was called Wilson, and. Uh, the um the assistant coach of Nebraska right now is Brian Snyder and he was in 
he was in a program on the other side of town called St. Anthony's, and they were so much more advanced than us. And uh, and frankly, they were they were city kids, and they they were tougher than us. And uh, I remember going there, and the first match I ever wrestled, I got decked. And um, and it was a wake up call. You know, even though I'm five years old, I know it was embarrassing. I knew it was embarrassing to get pinned. And uh, I don't know. I just kept working hard and working hard. And um, we had we had a room at the time that was. Um, and I know, I'm telling you, Sam, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but we had a room that was the, there was one level up here and one level down here. There was, you know, mm -hmm. a good room. It was a good room. It was like two full mats up here, and then you would walk down the steps, and there was two full mats down here. And, like, the novice guys were up here, and the, like the varsity guys were down here and one day they came up to me one, one one day the head coach of the youth program came upstairs and said um he yelled at, he yelled at the assistant coach and said hey sailor we're taking them downstairs and so I went downstairs, and that was probably, I'm telling you, I, I did a lot of things that were pretty good moments for me uh, that I'm proud of. But the day that I got called downstairs to join the, like, varsity team in our youth program, like the, the ones, that was probably the moment that changed my life, is that at that point, that's the point that I knew um, correlation. Work hard, make gains. And so uh, that was, I was very proud of that. That's really cool. And uh, so you ended up going to the same high school as Brian Snyder. Did y'all connect before then, or were you always kind of rivals up until high school? Um, so I ended up being like in youth and I'm not trying to brag or nothing because it's youth wrestling, you know, um, I ended up being pretty good, like, uh, fifth grade to eighth grade. Um, in our area, I was one of the best upcoming guys and in like in like seventh grade, the summer going to seventh grade, I went to a camp that was held by Jack Kubo. Do you, you know who Jack Kubo is? I don't. I don't know him. So Jack Kubo, he was a he was a three time state champ from our high school, and the assistant coach when Jack Kubo was in high school was Barry Snyder, which was Brian Snyder's father. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian Snyder's father was actually the head coach at Lafayette Division One, the Division One program, and it got canceled because of Title Nine stuff. And mm -hmm. so, so then he went to Easton and he coached um, Jack Kubo, and Jack Kubo was a three-time state champ. And then he went to East Strasburg, and he just dominated. He he won. He won two NCAA titles, uh, Division One. And so at that time, like I was in seventh, eighth grade, and Jack Cooper was a big name because he was two-time Division One champ. He had these big camps, and. Brian Snyder's father basically ran the camps, and Jack just did the clinician type, type stuff. But I went there, and I had no idea who Brian Snyder was. 
But Brian Snyder, who, Brian Snyder knew who I was. It was like it was like District 11, the up and coming junior high kids. It was like everybody that was gonna be everybody. And uh, anyway, me and Brian became friends there. And within like a year, you know, they they were like, "Hey, you should come to Eastern. You should come to Eastern. We're gonna do a lot of good things together." And so, um, I ended up going to Eastern, and it was it was a really incredible experience. Whether like I I did some good things in high school and. But even if I didn't, even if I was a scrub, even if I was, it was a time in my life. We we were ranked number one. We were ranked number one in the country. We were, we went to the first ever Ironman. We went to the first ever Reno Tournament Champions. And that's when, you know, Reno Tournament Champions get sort of kind of overlooked now. But the first year of Reno Tournament of Champions was amazing. And it was the best tournament I was ever in. It was, it was the best tournament I've ever seen. I mean, Dale Sanderson took second. You know, uh, it was just, it was just a really amazing experience. So, so uh, where, where did you go from the high school career, and how how long did it take you to uh, to connect with with Flow Wrestling, and how did that come about? I went with uh, I went to graduate school. Like I, I tinkered around in college wrestling, but it was very difficult because I knew that I wasn't accentuating my abilities. I knew that I was. It was difficult. It was difficult for me to be average, and that's what I was in Division One. I, I was average. Like I. I placed at a few open tournaments, and I just wasn't where I wanted to be. And so everything, like, at that point, everything was like a C. Like, I was a C in wrestling. I was a C in, as a student. I was a C in everything. And I couldn't deal with that. So I was like, you know, let me be an A or a B in two things instead of, being a C in three or four things. And so I pretty much gave up on wrestling and uh, focused academically and socially. And, and then I ended up going to graduate school for writing. I went to Nebraska. I uh, started my grad school in Nebraska. I ended my grad school at the University of Wyoming. And it was for writing. And I thought I wanted to. I thought I wanted to write novels, and I thought I wanted to. And I still do. I still want to write novels. I still want to write short stories. I still want to do literature. But um, but at, at, when I was done with my graduate school, I said, "Let me just take a little time off before I get into a career." And so I went home. And I went from Wyoming back to Easton. And in the interim, I was like, I'm going to take a year off. I'm just going to figure out what I want to do. And in the interim, um, there was this there was this message board place uh, for wrestling that I was kind of like, I like the guys there. And I was in the community talking about wrestling, talking about Division One, talking about high school wrestling. And I said, uh, hey, if I wrote like a wrote like a preview for this tournament, why don't why don't we post it? And they had never posted any news. They had just it was just a message board. And uh, it was called the open mat. And you guys know it today right. as, as the open mat because they do great stuff. But um at the time it was just a message board and I I said, Let me let me do some rankings and let me do some um, previews and so we started posting that and then I started getting some traction and like I'm just working odd jobs around Easton and I was very content with doing that for the meantime because that's that was kind of my plan. 
But the work that I was doing for the open mat, like, started getting some traction. I was like, ah, this is pretty cool. And then, like, after a little bit, like, after a year, I won Wrestling Writer of the Year, and I was like, maybe this could turn into something, you know? It would be crazy if I could, it would be crazy if I could, um, like, carve out a niche and make a name for myself in wrestling, because I'm I'm writing and wrestling, and that's like the best of both worlds. And I'm not getting paid much, like I'm not getting paid anything, but out of straight passion, that's the greatest thing that could happen. And so I was doing the circuit, you know, like I was going to Fargo, and I was going to this tournament, that tournament, I was going to Ironman, and I was going, at the time the class was good, I was going to PA State Tournament, and I was around the flow guys. I was around the flow guys a lot. And, uh, but the thing was, I wasn't getting paid. I was like, broke. And I was doing it all out of passion. And, um, eventually the flow guys came to me. I'll never forget. It was at, it was at, um, Beat the Streets 2012. And, I don't know if a lot of people remember, but the um, there was a big hubbub about who was gonna qualify the weight, who was gonna be our Olympian at uh, 60 kilograms, and because the weight wasn't qualified, and this guy won the U.S. Open, and this guy won the trials, and this guy skipped all of it because they sent him to try to qualify the weight and, and that thing they qualified they sent this other guy and they were like okay we're having beat the streets but we're gonna have the final 60 kilogram wrestle off to determine who our olympian is at beat the streets and it was coleman scott against sean bunch and uh i was all jazzed up about it i was like i mean to be honest Coleman Scott was a PA boy. He was an OK State boy, which I loved at the time. And uh, and so I went there. And the whole time, like, the whole time, I, I had always ran into the flow guys. And they, like, kind of were, like, pitching it to the owners of flow. Like, hey, let's hire Willie. And... At Beat the Streets, when the when the Coleman Scott Sean Bunch wrestle off was, um, the owner of Flow called me and was like, "Would you like to be part of our team?" And uh, I'm walking around Manhattan. I'm walking around Times Square talking to the owner of Flow, and I'm like, "Heck yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be great." Um, I think I can do so much. I think I can add so much. And so that was the start of me at Flow. Did you move out to Austin immediately after that? Yeah. And I, like, so, so Martin Floriani, the, the owner, the founder of Flow, called me that day. And he gave me a price. It's like, I can pay you this much. I'm like, oh, my God. I can work at a gas station for that much, you know. But at the same time, who cares? I'm getting, I'm gonna get paid. I'm gonna get paid to like, I can at least pay rent, and I'm gonna write about wrestling. Heck yeah, let's like grow the sport, you know. And uh, so that I I moved right then. Yeah. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, I've kind of noticed you're the high school, junior high even, a little bit of mind of flow wrestling. You kind of cover that is your specialty. Mm-hmm. Did Was that something that you kind of knew immediately was something you wanted to really spend a lot of time in, or was that something that developed over time? Well, one of the first things I ever did for the open mat was I went to uh, I went to Fargo and I 
covered all the kids and I covered all the. It was a little different then because I, I mean, frankly, Sam, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I ended up writing a story on Joey Dance because Joey Dance won and he had so much of a community there with so many family members there. And I, I wrote a story on him and his family and the journey there. And um, it was really gratifying. I mean, I'm sure it was gratifying to him and his family. It was gratifying to me to get that story. And so that kind of, that was my kind of trajectory. Because Bader, at the time, it was me, Bader, and Joe Flo. And they kind of had the college stuff covered. At least they had it covered as much as anybody was doing. They had it covered um, as much as the company needed at the time. And so I kind of filled the, the high school void. And over time, over time, I, I mean, that kind of became my niche. There's, there's been times I've been doing this, you know, for 12-ish years, and there's been times where I was like, man, I just want to cover uh, international. I've never wanted to cover college. Never in my whole time in my career have I wanted to cover college. I never want to be the college guy. Um simply because it's so it's covered by everybody. And so I don't think the way to cover this I don't think the way to grow the sport is to cover something that everybody's covering. So I see holes in the high school coverage. I see holes in I mean I almost see non existent coverage in the junior high national scene. And Domestically, I, I don't see a whole lot. I don't see enough in the international coverage. So college doesn't appeal to me. Doesn't appeal to me in the sense that I want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy in college. Right. And um, I think I think I can. I guess what I'm saying is I think I can best serve the community and best fill the void by doing junior high and high school the best that I can. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so who's number one kind of branches off of that. When did the idea first spark uh, to you about having that matchup of the best high school wrestlers in the country? Yeah, so I, uh, so I was doing rankings and – like, I, so in, when I do rankings, I have, like, a spreadsheet, and it's, like, 106, 113, 120, and I have, like, 15 tabs, like, pound for pound and 14 weights. And, um, and, then I, and, and then I had a tab, which was, if I could make anything happen... I would have this matchup and this matchup and this matchup and this matchup. And matchups that we were never going to probably see. And um, I, was always, I was always sort of um, not I was always sort of not um, what's the word? I didn't have an ego about it. Like, I wanted the guys, I wanted, I wanted the wrestlers to prove it, right? So, one day, it was like a, a couple weeks after Fargo, and I came out with new rankings, and we were in our office in Austin, and there was a big storm, and the lights went out, the power went out, we had no internet, and that was at a time when there was like literally 15 or less people in the whole entire company. And the internet went out 
And Martin, the founder of the company, he came over to my office and was like, well, it was Martin had an office and then me, Bader, and Joe Flo had an office, a room. And he was like, what's up, guys? This stinks, right? No internet. We're going to have to wait for the electric to come back on, blah, blah, blah. And we're sitting in this, like, small room and just shooting this shit. And, use my language. And we're just shooting this, you know, we're just chewing the fat and, and uh, talking about stuff. And Martin's like, man, you know what stinks? He's like, there's this huge gap between, like, worlds and the NCA season. I wish we could fill that void with something. You know, there should be something going on. There shouldn't be this big gap. We we should keep the we should keep the wrestling community excited all year long. And, and like I turned my computer around and showed him my spreadsheet of all the dream matchups that I would make if I could. I was like, Martin, how about this? How about if we had a dual meet like this? And he was like, what's this? And I'm like, this is the number one versus number two guys in the country that we'll probably never see because that's just how the landscape is. And he was like, well, let's make it happen. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he's like, no. Seriously, if you call these guys, will they wrestle? And I'm like, well, I'll do everything that I can to try to make it happen. And so that's how Who's Number One was born. I said, these are the matchups that should happen. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And wasn't uh, wasn't the first year the year they had Bubba Jenkins and Jordan Oliver? Yeah, yeah. the The first year that we um, the first year that we had it. So what happened was there was this kid named Michael Pixley from Blue Springs, Missouri, which he won two Fargo titles. And there was a two-time state champ from Bergen Catholic, Johnny Sebastian. And, and I ranked Johnny Sebastian number one, and I, I ranked Michael Pixley number two. And there was a big thing. It was like, Michael Pixley should be number two. And everybody was arguing about it on message boards. They were like, Michael Pixley should be number one. Everybody on the East Coast was like, no way. Johnny Sebastian won two, two jersey titles, and he's a beast of the East champ and whatever. And I'm like, look, why should I? I picked Johnny Sebastian over a razor-thin margin, but why should I be the guy to decide it? This is the whole reason that who's ever wants to exist, to let the athletes decide it. And so that was the genesis of it, and we put it together, and then we're like, we should have a, we should have like a pro match. And um, there was a lot of decisions to be made, and, I picked Lehigh because I knew the fans there would come out. I knew they were passionate about it. I knew they were high school fans. And so then towards the end, we were like, let's get a pro match. And we got Jordan Oliver, who was an Eastern boy, who was right around the corner, and Bubba Jenkins, who at the time was a real star because he had he had beat David Taylor in the NCAA finals. And uh, it was a good show. It was a really good show for year one. Yeah, I had uh, Sean Russell on the show earlier, and uh, I was asking a lot about that. He he said it was the coolest thing that happened in his wrestling career. He he really enjoyed that, um, and especially to be part of the first one. Even though he lost, uh, he, he still enjoyed it a lot. Man, uh, I loved Sean Russell. I love Sean Russell at the time. I mean, Sean Russell, like, that's a lot of a lot of things get lost 
Like, if you if you look at FA bracket, everybody knows this guy took fourth, and then he took third, and then he took sixth. Like, I'm kind of a dork like that in the sense of high school wrestling, where it was like, Juan Russell was a contender for Super 32 every single year. Like, John Russell was a finalist contender. And, um, you know, the one year he did really, really good at Super 32. And so he was, I had a number one versus number two, him and Nathan Boston. And did you ever watch that match, Sam? Who's number one or Super 32? Who's number one? Uh, Russell and Boston. It was I did. did. Yeah, you know how you know how Sean Russell lost. He had a takedown. Mm-hmm. He had a takedown. Two one, his choice, or two two, his choice, and he took neutral because Nathan Boston was nasty on top. Right. And then it went into overtime, and Nathan Boston won. So it was a really interesting match. It's crazy how um, whether you're if you're good at top, then you don't have to use it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. People just just get scared and, and choose neutral. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, was there much change or what were some some big uh, milestones? I'll say for for who's number one. Um. So year one. Year one, I think, was a feeling out phase. Like, we got, like, 80% participation. The guys we called, the guys I called. First of all, I I was known. Uh, well, I wasn't known like I am now. Like, if I call somebody now, they're like, oh, wow. Willie from Flo. Hey, Flo called me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was. It didn't have that gravity back then because it was like, hey, some guy called me, <laughs> you know. So, um, right. Back then, it was like, hey, will you wrestle at this event that we're starting? And it didn't really. It didn't really mean much other than, hey, somebody's gonna have me go out and wrestle with another guy, and so. Um, the diehards knew what it was about, and we got we got uh, like a high participation, and there were some really interesting matchups. You know, I'm never, you know, it it will it will never be, it will never be like legendary that Johnny Sebastian and Michael Pixley wrestled. Or he's number one, but in the high school world at the time, that was the match, and so. I mean, that was a sort of thing that started it all. And people saw what we did at at the first Who's Number One, and then all the kids were like, man, I want to wrestle at that. That is cool. Put on a cool event. They treated the kids well. They, you know, everybody had a good time. And so year two, year two changed everything. Year two changed everything. I mean, the matchups that we had. But year year two at Flow National, who's number one? It was the best who's number one to this day. Um, we, we, you know, you had Anthony Valencia was working everybody. Anthony Valencia was kicking everybody's butt. He Anthony Valencia that year beat Mark Hall, and he beat Tyler Caldwell, who was like. And NCAA runner-up. And so everybody was like, Marco, Anthony Valencia is like the number one, pound for pound, too. And Marco went out there and dominated him. Dominated. It was 10-2. Mark was having, Mark was just doing work. And so, again, it's not like now people, now people were like, oh, Mark Hall being Anthony Valencia? No, yeah. no kidding. But back then, it was, like, amazing. And Zahid Valencia, Zahid Valencia wrestled 
60 or 63 kilograms at Akron. And then... Man, that is so hard to think of him that small. Yeah. And then... I called up um, Ruben Valencia, their father, and I said, hey, can I have Anthony Rose or Mark Hall, who's number one? Yeah. I said, what about Zahid? Because Zahid had won, like, Zahid had won Iron Man twice and stuff. Like, he was legit. Uh, even then. And he was like, what about Anthony? So, to me, Anthony was sort of an afterthought, but... Very qualified, but also an afterthought. And he's like, what about Zahid? And I'm like, all right, well, like, 132, 138. He's like, no, 182. And I'm like, you are out of your mind. What? He just, I just saw him two weeks ago. He wrestled 132. He's like, no, he's huge. I'm like, you want me to have him wrestle 70 or 82? Like, you want me? Are, are you expecting me to have him wrestle Miles Ma, Martin? Yeah, I would like that. I was like, okay. Damn, I was getting. So I made that matchup. I was like, okay, I'm not going to doubt Zahid Valencia anymore. I'm not doubting him. Because when he was a 106 pounder, I doubted him. When he was a 113 pounder, I doubted him. When he was a 132-pounder, I doubted him. And every time he won, like, um, Iron Man, his freshman year at 106, he beat Darian Cruz in the finals. Um, That's so funny. Darian Cruz is, oh, man, he put on a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm done doubting Anthony. If he's going to go, I mean, if he's going to go 182, if he wants that smoke, then let him get his butt kicked. But he ended it. He, he's, he's, he's won every time. He's won at every level. He's won at every weight. And so this same year that Mark called, like, worked, uh, Anthony Valencia put Zahid against Mark Martin, I mean, Miles Martin, and everybody was like, Okay, this is getting out of hand. Willie, you're ridiculous. You're just doing this for paid for you. You're just doing for subscription. And Zahid went out there and beat him. Um, there were some other matches on that card. Year two. Year two is the year two is the year that was magic. And so everything has followed suit. Then after year two. I didn't have to ask kids. I didn't have to ask wrestlers to come in who's number one. They beat down my door. Please let me in. So, um, moving moving forward uh, into into more recent times, uh, and this year at to this this card, what how do you compare this card to uh, to the rest of rest of the year's cards? Um, I think I think there's so much more parity now. I think there's I think that anything can happen. Um, there was a lot of years where it's crazy, Sam, because there was a lot of years most years one verse two, one verse two. It should be good, right? I could, pr I could pick them. Like I could be like, I know who's gonna win this match. This year, I don't know. I, I and that's not like that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with flow. It has nothing. What it has to do with is the great amount of coaching at the high school level. At the club level, that goes on these days. I mean, you tell me, Sam. You tell me right now who's going to win, Facundo or Kennedy? Man, I have no idea. I pick Facundo, but I really have no idea. Right? You tell me right now. And these are my two. These these might be my two favorite wrestlers in high school. Howard and Mastro. I know. 
they they go back and forth. Uh, well, the fact is, freestyle makes me think uh, Howard's got oh, it, but yeah, yeah. But I just I'm not really sure. I, these guys, everybody's so good. Everybody's so good nowadays, Sam. It's like who's gonna win? I don't know. I like to think that I, I like to think that I'm pretty smart about it, but. Everybody's so good, and there's so much parity, and um, it's one versus two, and anything can happen. But the the, the greatest thing for me is, I mean, this this I could walk off into the sunset right now. As long as two is number one continues, the greatest thing for me is that you know I go on Twitter and I say I'm the best ranker and I'm the best this. I put it on a persona, but the reality is that I love nothing more, and the whole the whole genesis of four, uh, who's number one is to let the kids decide it. I don't. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to decide who's number one and who's number two just because I said so. I want to. I want to decide who's number one and who's number two because they earned it, right? Right. I mean, that's that's what it's about for me. Um, okay, so, uh, what is your favorite, favorite matchup, if you had to pick one? Um, I mean, my favorite matchup is Kennedy. I think, I think that, I think that the uncertainties between them is so crazy. Like if if Kennedy if Kennedy shoots a hundred times and Secundo counters two of them and beats them five one, I'm not surprised. I'm also not surprised if Kennedy shoots a hundred times and he converts two and he beats him five two. Like I'm not completely. I'm not. Secundo has become sort of mythical. You know, um, and I do, I do love him. I think he's amazing. But I also, I also think that Kennedy's getting a little, not enough chance to win. So I think that, I think that's a good matchup. I think, and I think for all the things that get talked about about 132. I think that could go any direction. I mean, I mean, Jesse Mendez has smoked everybody. Uh, Flow Nationals, Akron, you know. If he goes out there and loses to Ryan Jack, are you surprised? Because I'm not. You know? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. One one thirty two is fascinating. And then and, and then Van Ness is is kind of back and forth on and off. Who knows? Who knows which one's gonna show up? What's your favorite match? You're gonna be here. What's your, what's like? Wow, this is interesting. I don't even know which way to go. Well, my personal favorite is uh, Patty Gallagher Keegan O'Toole. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I've been. Been looking into that one a lot. It's it's kind of like brute, heavy hands, fast pace. Patty Gallagher against slick, scrambly, Ben Askren trained, Keegan O'Toole. I really like that that stylistic battle. You know, when I reached out to Patty, I'm like, well, actually, at Fargo, I'm like, Patty, you're in. You're in. Who's number one? Will you accept? And he's like, oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. Talk to you later. So, like, two weeks later, I'm like, Patty, are you cool with Keegan O'Toole? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, all right, cool. Folk style, right? And he's like, no, freestyle. I'm like, really? You want freestyle? Um, which I found interesting because I think that Keegan presents 
a lot of funky danger freestyle exposure, like maybe a crotch lift, you know? Um, but that's what Patty wanted. So I think it makes it like really dynamic. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, they've both proved themselves to be very, very good in, in freestyle. Patty Gallagher, Fargo champ, and then Keegan O'Toole made the finals of uh, junior trials. Yeah. Which, which was huge. That weight was insane. And to ask me, Keegan O'Toole makes the finals, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they're both very good in freestyle, so I'm, I'm super excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, what, 11 matches? I think it's – um. I think it's 12 when you count. There's another one at 32. Like okay. A, like a final. Um, well, uh, is it 13 with Downey Rod? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So of those 12 of the high school ones, I, I guess really just 11, uh, over under how many ones stay and how many how – many new guys make it up to the top of the rankings I like this actually you know what I'm looking at this well you did the ranking so uh, (laughs) you're probably hoping 11 for 11 no I like it that's what I'm saying go get go get what you go get what you earn who who cares Who cares about my rankings? That's why it's called who's number one. But you know what? I, I mean, I, I cannot I cannot go this whole show without saying Dom Serrano against Van Ness. I am so high on Dom Serrano. I think he does everything right. I think he's, I think he's very um, adept in every position, whether it be Freestyle counters, folk style riding. I mean, every you choose a style and you choose a position, and I think Dom Serrano is super explosive. Um, yeah, that's the second match of the night. Okay, let me let me put it this way: Mendez and Mendez and Jack um, is the first match. And it's a good match, but it could be. If it's a 3-2 snooze fest, I'm not surprised. Right. The second match is Serrano and Van Ness. I don't know how that's not 11-10. Mind blower, right? Those are are two guys that that could really throw down a a high-scoring match for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Vasquez, Voinovich, I don't know what to make of Jesse. He's been like, you know, he made two Super 32 finals. He made uh, an Ironman final. But he's also been like missing in action for a long time. And I don't know. I, I just think it's really neat. And it's really, I'm like, he's a senior. Uh, now that Ferrari committed a couple minutes ago, Jesse Vasquez is the highest-ranked uncommitted recruit, so I think a lot of questions are going to be answered in two days. Definitely. Um, so I gotta I gotta ask you real quick. How do you pronounce? Is it Echimendia from Arizona? Is that how you pronounce it? I say uh, Echimendia. Echimendia. Okay. Uh, how like he's kind of been a. Mid- mystery to me like he shows up out of nowhere dominates Fargo in both styles and then we haven't seen him since then he's a different he's a different dude man I mean um we became sort of close me and Anthony at Fargo and like after Fargo he would like text me and DM me all kinds of crazy clips like clips when he was back in Cuba and clips when he was training and clips when he was in Arizona and he's crazy athletic he's crazy adept at the freestyle Greco thing and then 
then Kevin Dresser, the head coach of um, Iowa State, he's like, you know, Etchemendia committed to them. Right. And that was totally expected for me. I thought it was well, a done deal. He was going to Arizona State. Well, I was talking to Anthony the Hulk like the entire time. And he just wanted to get to an RTC. And according right. to him, according to him, it was like, I don't know if I can go here. I don't know if I can go there. Um, I don't know if these people want me. Can you help me? Can you help me? And I was reaching out to some people. And then kind of like out of the clear blue sky, and he's like, hey, I think I'm going to consider it. Uh, Iowa State, and I said that's great. I'm like great staff, love those guys. Um, and then, then I got word. <laughs> You're not gonna believe this. So he still has to take SATs, right? Mm -hmm. He's literally Sam. He's literally taking SATs the morning of of who's number one. He's going to take SAT in the morning, and he's going to come to his number one in Wrestle Center. Whoa. Where is he taking the SATs? In Iowa City? Somewhere in Iowa. Somewhere in the state. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of stress right there. And make, well, I guess he would already have made weight, but yeah. Yeah, right. And so. Yeah, studying on a. On an empty stomach, cutting weight, that's that's got to be a... Yeah. Goodness. Goodness gracious. That's, I'm, so, I'm impressed this, he's, he's come just number one. Yeah, yeah. He really wanted it, and um, he just likes to compete. And he's really like... It's a great story. Like He's really just thankful to be here. He's really thankful to be living a good life. He's really thankful for the opportunity. And... Um, he's excited about his future, and um, you know he wants to. Now he wants to do the he wants to do the college thing, and I'm I'm really excited for him. Um, he's he's a good player. And the thing about him is, we really have no idea how good he is. I know because he's wrestled once and killed everybody at Fargo. Well, here's here's a little backstory. And I didn't know this. Um, it was actually Josh Saunders. Because I didn't know what to do with Josh Saunders. I'm like, okay, he wrestled Fargo at 38. There's no way that he's going through the whole season at 38. He's not going to go to a state tournament at 138 pounds. It's not going to happen. I mean, even last year he wrestled 45 at a state tournament. And I'm like, it's disingenuous to fly point out 38. Because he's not going to wrestle them. And so that was my thought process. But I hadn't communicated that to his coaches or him. Mm -hmm. And and then when I reached out, I was like, okay, hey guys, obviously you want Josh. Obviously he's one or two in the country at whatever weight it is. What am I supposed to do with him? Who does he want? Where should he be? And he said, and their camp, their camp, their coaches, their father, Josh's father, was like, listen, he spent all summer at the OTC, and Echemendi was there, and they battled all summer. He said, give me Echemendia at, at 65 kilograms. Let's do it. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. 65 kilos is a great weight, too. It's 143, so it's kind of in the middle of 45 and, and 38, so it fits in really well. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't even know that Echemendia was at the OTC. So I, 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 I thought he was at, in Arizona the whole time with Zeke Jones and, and Sunnyside. Yeah. So I guess the I guess what I'm saying is they know each other. 
they they yeah. felt each other, right? They they wrestled each other. So it's gonna be that's gonna be neat. Well, the fact that he said um, they battled all summer and they wanted him kind of gives me hope that it's gonna be a really entertaining match. Yeah, me- there's gonna be a lot of points. Fine. Yeah. Um. Okay, so the last thing I really wanted to talk about was uh, the Downey match that was announced today. First of all, tell me a little bit about how this came about, and then who is Nikki Rod? Because I have no idea who, who he is. Buddy, I don't have much idea either. What I do know is that um, – so I used to oversee the grappling site, right? I used to oversee Flow Grappling. And so when the world championships, so I, I used to like say, hey, you should do this for content. And hey, this would be a good article. And I think you should start doing rankings. And um, so I tried to move, I tried to move the site forward. I tried to, I tried to move the offerings forward. But, you know, so like 10 months out of the year, I was just kind of moving it along. And then like, there would be two instances per year where I would really like just love it. And it would be like the world championships and the one year ABCCs. And <clears throat> Flow Wrestling put a lot of ABC, ABCC stuff on their site the last like week or two. Some loved it, some hated it. Some, some guys, so, I mean, we got emails that were like, this is great, guys. This is like another different version of wrestling, and I tried jujitsu, and and this is cool. And we got other messages that were like, "Lay off of the jujitsu yeah. stuff. Nobody gives a crap about jujitsu. What are you trying to do?" And um, it turns out, as it turned as it turned out, Nikki Rodriguez. So ADCCs are only once every two years. They are the Super Bowl of Super Bowls. I mean, this is like this is like if NCAA only happened every two years. This is like if the World Championships only happened every two years. And Nikki Rodriguez came in as like a guy that was talented enough in coming, but absolutely no expectations. And he made a run all the way to the finals. Well. Throughout ADCCs, when we're like tweeting about it and running articles about it, everybody from the NJRCT is like, hell yeah, Mickey Rodriguez. And we were like, what? Why do you know him? Why do you like him? It turns out Mickey Rodriguez works out with him all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so, number one, the NJRCT guys knew about him. Number two, um, ADCCs are kind of like fresh in the memory of a lot of people. Um, and number three, um, we started getting into beef. Wrestling guys started getting into beef with the grappling guys. They're like, all right, let's just do it. We'll have a wrestler versus the grappling guy, and we'll see what happens. And uh, why not? Why not tack on? Why not tack on another spectacle? And what happens and I mean listen, it's about number one, number two, but it's also about entertainment and we're trying to entertain people. Yeah. Well, uh I'm definitely excited. I have no idea what's gonna happen there. I have no idea how good of a wrestler he is. Um and I know Downey's probably pretty motivated off that world championship, so he'll probably be really fired up. He's a, Downey's a scrapper for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, when are you getting out of here? Um, we're, we're leaving early Friday morning, um, so I'll get there for the press conference and everything, but I'm, I'm super excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't wait to get here, you hang out with us, and, and uh, get to do a lot of stuff. What do you, hey, what do you, um, what do you enter that for Super 32? 80 pounds. Middle, middle school 80. Do you know, uh. Who the hammers are? I for anybody watching this, if you don't know, Sam is on the big board, one of the best junior high wrestlers in the country. But there's going to be a lot of really good junior high big boarders 
You know what? It's crazy to me, Stanley, is that There's no fluff. Like at Super 32 Middle School, like at Super 32 High School, there's there's stuff everywhere, right? However, there's right. also there's also guys that sort of kind of don't belong. Right, definitely. At Super 32 Middle School, there's like 16 man, 24 man, maybe 32 man brackets. Not one guy is fluffed. It's crazy, and so it, it, um, it's very intense. I think the reason for that is um. The high school bring their whole team, and so on some high school teams, there's going to be a 32 that's that's really good and belongs there, and then their their 26 might might not be good, but they bring them anyway because that's what their team is doing. Yeah. But middle school, you're going for yourself and and yourself only, so I, I think that might be the reason. Very astute point, as always, Sam Herring. Um, so. You know, I went to the world championship, and then so like for like two weeks, I really, really grinded on who's number one and getting the matchups done and communicating to all that what our schedule was. And this is the hotel, and this is your flight. Can I get your social security number so I can book your flight? I did all that, and then I left for. Um, Senior world, and I was there for two weeks, and then I come back, and then I'm finalizing who's number one. Thing. And now I'm looking into, and then I did rankings, and now I'm looking into like, okay, I better get cracking on the Super 32 premium. So that's a long way of, yeah. So that's a long way of saying, I know the, I know, I now know the high school field of Super 32. At your weight, who's the other stuff? So there, there are a lot of studs. Uh, I feel like there might be might be ten big board big boarders in really? that way, close to at least. Um, so Bo Bassett's in there, number seven, the number one seventh graders in there. Um, Nathan Desmond, I think he's around fifteen. Um, he he's another PA kid. Yeah, uh, my neck of the woods. Did you train with Bo? Yeah, Bassett? he is. I did. That that's where I was uh, for all of June and July. Yeah. At Young Guns. Yeah. Um, um, and then Jackson Bloom from Michigan's in there. He's a multiple-time Tulsa All-American. Um, so yeah, lot lots of studs. I'm, I'm excited to excited to get to wrestle against them. I'm excited, buddy. All right. Well, uh, two things that uh i want to say real quick first is i gotta get used to the new flow wrestling logo um i was i was blindsided by <laughs> by the new one clicked on on the site one day and see all the red and i'm like what in the world um listen we i sam, sam i painted my basement flow green <laughs> i painted my basement flow green I love the flow wave. I love the flow green. It's like the flow green is coursing through my blood. I love it. It's like I lost a child, but um, we knew it was coming, and we like me and Bader. We were like so. We knew it was coming, and so we were at Worlds, and we were like so distraught about it. We we're like this is gonna be the worst thing ever. But then we kind of got over it, and it's like. What can you do? It's business. It's corporate. Whole world's corporate anymore, but I will always believe. I will always believe Flow Green. Yeah. Yeah. I I was uh I was pretty upset. I, I attached. <laughs> I was pretty attached to Flow Green. <laughs> I know. So uh. Me too, bro. It's gonna take me a while. It's gonna take me a while to get used to the new one. And then the uh the second thing was, was we gotta figure out a way to. Convince Christian not to get a tattoo. Hey, he can't do it. He can't do it, right? Why not? Because it's just stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I don't. Sam, you cannot do I, I don't like the idea. You cannot have a mark for the rest of your life on your body. Because one time on one show, you just blurted something out. Don't do that. 
<laughs> I have lots of tattoos, Sam. They're all stupid. And I wish I didn't have any. And don't get any tattoos. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not planning to. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about finishes up for this interview. Thanks so much for coming on. I had a blast uh, hearing about your story and then a little bit about who's number one. I'm, I'm super excited for this weekend. Yeah, I'm really excited for the show that will be who's number one. I'm super excited that you're coming out here. I'm super excited to watch you and probably the best between Super 32, Fargo, Blue Nats, Akron, the best high school tournaments in the country. So um, it's a good time of year. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on, and I'll talk to you next time. All right, Sam. Thanks for all you do, buddy. Definitely.